0: Hey, this is Lydia Cornell from Too Close for Comfort and Curb Your Enthusiasm and Full House, Night Rider, 18, Dukes of Hazard, hundreds of other shows, and I want you to join 30 Minutes Live with CDP every Wednesday and Friday night on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm gonna be on the show soon too. Love, Chris.
1: Hello, friends. Uh, welcome to Tuesday night's uh, 30 Minutes Live with CDP. Uh, thanks for all everybody for coming on tonight. Uh, on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter Live, and later I'll be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor FM. Uh, I'm excited to have my guest tonight from uh, WGRZ Channel 2 in Buffalo, uh, Kelly Dudzik, and uh, I really appreciate Kelly coming on here tonight, and if you guys can just give me one minute, I will bring Kelly on here. Uh, just I'm still learning all this stuff, so uh, just one sec, guys, and we're just going to get uh, the little ticker going here for Kelly and we'll bring Kelly on. Hi Kelly, how are you doing? Hi.
0: Hi Chris, how are you?
1: Good. Can you hear me loud and clear?
0: I can hear you. It's working. I'm learning this new technology too. I mean, we've all had to adapt over the past what 15 months, so I've learned a lot of new things also.
1: Oh, definitely. And like I said, uh, I've had a couple of shows lately where there was an issue with the audio and and I always cross my fingers because sometimes with technology, you can get uh, unexpected problems that you didn't count on.
0: Oh, absolutely. It happens all the time in TV.
1: Definitely. And I'm learning all this too. So I've only been doing this podcast for the, the last year and uh, and and I've been doing v- v- volunteer work with Rogers TV before the COVID struck as a camera operator. So um, oh, I really,
0: awesome.
1: yes, I really like yeah. it. And uh, Rogers TV is a good place to learn. And uh, I've got a taste of the broadcasting bug from doing that <laughs> and uh, doing my podcast. So um, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on tonight, Kelly. No
0: problem. I'm happy to be here.
1: So how was your day?
0: It was great. You know, the Blue Jays are in town. Obviously, you know that. So that's the big news of the day. And while I was not out at Salem Field, a lot of my colleagues were. So I anchored most Buffalo from the studio. And I was speaking of potential technical disasters. I was the standby anchor in the studio for the 530 Town Hall in case the live shot went down for Michael and Kate at Salem Field, I had my mic on ready to go to jump in just in case something happened because you never know.
1: Uh, That's what I'm learning about even doing a podcast or whatever. Yeah, Things do happen and you just have to be able to prepare. I've also had to learn to ablib too. I've had a few guests where they've had to to cancel at the last minute with other commitments. So I I still had to go on with my show and uh, just got to keep on talking on here.
0: That's the best way to do it. And that's also the best way to get practice and get reps in. That's a breaking, you know, and for me, similar situations happen where there's breaking news and you're waiting to find out more information just as the audience is and just as the viewers are. And a lot of times you do have to fill time, especially if you're dealing with a situation where you're gathering information still or you're trying to get to cruise out in the field.
1: Definitely. Uh, like you said, so I'm still learning every day and stuff. I was going to say I had one of your co-workers on a couple of weeks ago. Really nice guy, Pete Gallivan. I could have talked to him for three or four hours.
0: I love Pete. Pete is great. But you know what? I hardly ever see Pete in person. Every once in a while, I'll. He's still at work.
1: I think I think you lost you there for a second, Kelly. Oh, I just uh, guys just hang on with for a second. I think I just lost Kelly. We were just talking about technical things that happen in TV and sometimes even with podcasts. Uh, Kelly just froze up there for a second. So uh, hopefully we'll get Kelly back on in another uh, minute or two. She just froze up here. So um, things do happen with technical difficulties. So uh, bear with us, and hopefully we'll get uh, Kelly back on here. Uh, Kelly, um, yeah, Kelly's going to try to rejoin us in a minute. Uh, So like I said, she just froze up. So things do happen. And uh, since we're waiting for Kelly to come back, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays play uh, their first home game of the year in buffalo tonight at salen field against the, the uh, i keep calling them the florida marlins but the miami marlins so the blue jays are back in buffalo playing them so uh guys uh i got kelly on so just cross your fingers and we'll just wait one second okay we were just talking about it so i kind of jinxed us hi kelly okay hi
0: yeah you know what happened both screens went black we got the wheel of death going So I took my work phone off of Wi-Fi because I have a separate work phone. And I also took my iPad off of the uh, Wi-Fi. So hopefully everything um, goes smoothly from here on out. But see, that's exactly what we were talking about.
1: It happens, it's even happened to me too. I have to just make sure I uh, keep my phone away and I shut yep. off any audio stuff too. So I just try to get ready an hour before my shows and check this, check that. And sometimes things happen you don't account on. So like, like so you said, like, it just happened.
0: Right, right. But I'm glad that that worked out. That got fixed quickly.
1: Definitely. I was going to say, so I guess your shifts cross with Pete Gallivan then? What's that? we were talking before you got cut off. Uh, You're saying you hardly ever see Pete.
0: Yeah. So the daybreak people, I hardly ever see them unless we're at a special event together, you know, something where I'm seeing like the Coleman walk or a gala or something on a weekend, but it's weird because you'd think, you know, I work at the same place as these people, but I rarely see them. And with COVID, a lot of people were working out of the building for a really long time. There are still people I work with who I might see on TV every day, but I haven't seen them in more than a year in person.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen some of my friends or family members in almost a year and a half now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So And um, good news, I finally did get my first uh, shot the other day.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's so great so, to hear. Yeah.
1: So far, so good. Um, my second shot, I'm not going to get until September. I guess in Ontario, in Canada, they're going to make people wait four months for their second shot.
0: And we only had to wait three weeks, but I mean, as the supply increases, I could see them changing that schedule and allowing people to make their second dose um, appointments for sooner than that. So you're not waiting.
1: Definitely. I'm hoping the border will be open by August because I was supposed to take a family member last year for their 75th birthday to see Billy Joe at New Field, And that cancel got postponed because of the COVID. And I figured, okay, another year from now, I dealt with Ticketmaster. I said, yeah, don't refund really right. my money. I'll wait another year by August. And now it's kind of like, yeah, it's getting dicey. So I'm, I'm I'm, hoping it will be open by August. I'm hopeful order.
0: too. I'm hopeful too. I know that Brian Higgins, our congressperson from here, has been working on that. And, you know, fingers crossed at this point, because I really do miss visiting Canada. Usually we go yeah. four or five times a year to go to Toronto, to visit Toronto. For a long weekend, we also like going to Niagara-on-the-Lake and Niagara Falls, Ontario. So we usually go, we have Nexus Passes. We go all the time. And the last time we were able to go was December of 2019. And actually, we were in Canada in January or 2020 because we flew out of Pearson. But I've really missed visiting Canada. The border's been closed for so long at this point.
1: Yeah, I uh, my last time in the States was uh, in Niagara Falls, Amherst uh february Mm -hmm. 5th 2020 and even then the customs guys gave me like didn't give me a hard time but they asked me 20 questions about covid and and i'm thinking even back then maybe the borders should have been closed sooner than when they did in march to be honest with you
0: yeah and you know what we'll never know we'll never know because there was so little testing back then
1: that Mm -hmm.
0: there were cases that we had no idea you know we had no idea people were positive
1: Yeah, so it's been like a crazy last 16 months, but I I think things are slowly getting better. Ontario is going to be out of our state of emergency as of tomorrow. And then apparently by June 13th, we're going to go to a three-phase system. Phase one for opening will be three weeks. They're just going to take it slowly because they don't want to have a fourth lockdown here.
0: Right, absolutely. Because didn't you guys have uh, outdoor and indoor dining back at some point?
1: A little bit, yeah, only at 50% capacity. And then the numbers got bad again, and then they had to do a third lockdown. So it's, yeah, it's been tough for everybody here, including businesses, small businesses.
0: Oh, absolutely. We just had our curfew lifted um, yesterday, actually. And um, restaurants can now stay open past midnight. And they got rid of the requirement that you buy food with alcohol. Probably about a month ago. And that's it. And that was something, you know, that was hard for a lot of people to get used to. And it was also hurting businesses, because a lot of businesses, especially a lot of the bars in our area, you know, rely on people coming in for drinks, and you couldn't just buy a drink, you had to buy food with it.
1: Definitely. Like I said, so I'm crossing my fingers. we will be able to come across the border hopefully maybe by August. Um, like I said, because I like to go come to the States for shopping and yep. sporting events and food and beer. I miss Duff's <laughs> Wings. I miss the New yeah. York Beer Project. So it's like, yeah.
0: Yeah, so. no, same thing here. I mean, we, we definitely miss going to Canada and we have all these places we want to visit all these trips we were planning and yep. we were hoping that we'd be able to go in April and we just keep pushing about. Now we're hoping that we'll be able to go in August when we're off for a week. We usually yep. like going in October for a few days for our anniversary. Yep. And now we're like, Ooh, I don't even know if we'll be able to do that.
1: How many years have you been married now?
0: Um, it'll be five years in October.
1: Wow. Um, well, yeah. I will probably talk to you before then, but happy fifth anniversary.
0: Thank you. Thank you. So,
1: yeah. So I, like I said, I really appreciate you coming on again today and everybody from your industry has been great, especially the Buffalo media market. I've had all the guys from WGR come on pretty well. And then Pete yourself, come on. And uh, John Murphy, the voice of the Bills, come on. And everybody has just treated me like one of their own on here.
0: That's awesome. And that also, you know what, is not surprising because everybody is so nice. And it it doesn't even matter if you work at the same station or not. Everybody's super nice out in the field. And, you know, I've, I've been in other markets where, People are not as nice out in the field and, and people can get nasty and their egos can get in the way. And you really you really don't find that here. So that's one of the reasons why Buffalo is so great.
1: I was gonna say, uh I was coming across the border probably once once a month before all this COVID struck because I live in a city called Guelph, which is about ninety minutes to the Lewiston Bridge and about Okay an hour and 45 minutes to the peace bridge. So really about an hour and a half, two hours to New York state. And it doesn't feel like I was leaving Canada because Buffalo is so similar to Canada. Yeah. And you guys like wings. Like we do. You like <laughs> beer, you like hockey, you like good food, you like good music. And, and, and it's like, yeah, so it's kind of, this has been tough on the border cities too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it has. And I think it's just, it's been tough on everybody's psyches, right? So as soon as that border does reopen, there will probably be a flood of people going to the other side to experience everything that they've missed, you know, during the pandemic.
1: Definitely. Um, just let me know if you're okay for time, time-wise. Oh,
0: I'm, you, you are not on any timeline. I can talk as long as you want. We're good. I I have no no deadline right now I'm not okay (laughs) because I always
1: like I always like to ask my guests because sometimes my guests only have like 20-25 minutes so I just have to kind of condense what I want to ask them and and sometimes guests can stay for like 45 minutes to an hour so it just depends yeah so I always there's no
0: cutoff time yeah yeah no you're good
1: okay no problem uh I was gonna say you are you a sports fan too?
0: I am, but I wouldn't say that I'm focused on like any specific sport. The home I grew up in, like as a family, we would watch the Olympics, Mm -hmm. but my family wasn't really into sports until I left for college. And then they got really into UConn women's basketball um, because the team did really well when I was in high school and then continues obviously to do well. And then my parents also became like huge Red Sox fans after I left. And so I think my brother and sister got to experience being a sports fan as part of a family more than I did. Really, the only sports we watched growing up were the Olympics. So I feel like that kind of plays into what I do today because I've got to know the basics about a whole bunch of different sports. So like I am, like, I am not an expert on the bills like Adam Benini is, but I need to make sure I know enough about the bills so that I can do stories about the bills and do news stories about the bills and cover them in case something newsworthy happens that's not sports related. So I wouldn't say that I grew up a sports fan, but I'm definitely a Buffalo sports fan now.
1: I was going to say, they love their Bills and Sabres. And yeah. I'm glad I'm glad the Bills have finally turned around. I'm an Eagles fan, yep. so don't do me. But <laughs> that, I'm glad the Bills have kind of turned it around. Now the owners have to do the same with the Sabres. They, yes. they have a lot of work to do with that franchise.
0: Yeah, they do. I mean, it's how many years in a row of just bottoming out and not doing well. I was actually able, able to go to one Sabres game this year. And it was actually I think they won. It was a good game. Um, But that was not the case for most of the games this year, as you know. So, yeah, the Sabres need to do as well as the Bills because people are really excited about the Bills now. And even I would say five years ago, obviously, before Josh Allen, there was not this kind of excitement.
1: Definitely. And when I have my Buffalo guests on, I use either, uh, what's the Sabres Arena called again? They've changed the name so many times.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's KeyBank Center. And I think it's changed. That's the second or third name since I've been here. And then the football stadium has also changed names. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I still call it Ralph Wilson stadium. Yep.
0: A lot of people do. I think that's what most people still call it because that's what it was for so long. And I think that high Mark stadium is going to take a long time to catch on. Like some people are just not going to call it that they're going to call it what they grew up calling it.
1: Oh, yeah. And the days of uh, stadiums being named after people are it's 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 a corporate business. Now, everything is all corporate and you have to have a corporate name for everything.
0: Yep, exactly.
1: Definitely. OK. And and like I said, my podcast is sports, but I'm also trying to branch out to and interview other people in other fields, too. And that. So I like to learn and ask questions and all that. So are you OK if I ask you some questions?
0: Absolutely. Ask away. Ask away.
1: Okay. The first one I was going to ask you, can you just tell my audience a little bit about yourself and when you decided to pursue a career in broadcasting media and as an anchor?
0: Yeah. So I grew up in Manchester, Connecticut. It's a suburb of Hartford. It's right in between New York City and Boston. And uh, if the camera starts moving, it's because Gabby the kitten is behind me and was stepping on the book. I have it propped up on, but now she moved away, so it's all good. Um, I decided I wanted to do this in high school. So my high school had... Um, a club called MHS TV News, and we did a monthly newscast. We had our set donated by Home Depot, and it was an old counter that we kind of called together.
1: Uh, Kelly, I think you just froze a little bit again, too. Sorry. Um, we were doing really well there for a while, so uh, I don't know if you want to log off and try hopping back on again. It was good for about 10 minutes there, so uh, anyways, guys, I apologize. Like I said, sometimes uh, technical difficulties, so uh, maybe Kelly can uh, hop off again and we'll just and I'm gonna also uh, check my uh, phone too and make sure. Okay, now,
0: oh, there I
1: am. Good, All right, good. I'm back. Okay. I turned my, I made sure I turned my Wi-Fi off my phone, too. And oh, my good. Phone's now, yeah, my Wi-Fi is now off my phone. So uh, things happen. So I apologize. Yeah.
0: That's okay. That. No, it could be on my end, too. Because I, believe me, when I was working from home, we did have some Wi-Fi issues where I had to run around and shut things off so that they weren't yeah. taking up um, any yeah. of the power. Um, so, yeah. So I will go back to what I was talking about. Um, we had MHS TV News, and I joined it my sophomore year of high school, I learned how to shoot video on S tape. So it was the cassettes were the size of VHS tapes, but they were like super VHS and they were kind of supposed to be a better quality. Um, so I learned how to edit tape to tape. Now everything's done on the computer. It just, you know, if you're using a video software editing program, we use a similar thing, but it probably costs a lot more money because it's for commercial use. I don't know. Um, cause I don't see those bills, but um, so that's how I learned how to edit tape and how to do stories. I would do reports on things happening at the school and every month everyone would gather in the auditorium to watch the tape of our newscast. I also did um, morning announcements in junior high school. Cool. So I would say that that's like my first taste of broadcasting was doing the morning announcements once a week at Illing Junior High School and so i decided to pursue this in college as a major i went to syracuse university and i majored in broadcast journalism and political science and i just stuck with it i'd never changed my major i always knew that i wanted to be a reporter and an anchor and when i started out i became a producer because it was easier to get a job and i didn't want a gap between college and working i just wanted to start working right away so i got a job in wilkesbury pennsylvania it was my first job at college.
1: okay guys i think kelly uh, froze again there so i apologize again for the technical issues uh just uh, bear with us and we'll get kelly back on i just made sure my uh phone my uh, wi-fi was turned off so uh hopefully we'll get kelly back on in a minute because she was just telling us about how she got into her uh uh into broadcasting uh, before she started with uh wgr and and her school i guess as well so yeah just bear with us guys and hopefully we'll get kelly uh, back i'm just gonna check one thing i'm just gonna check to make sure i'm actually uh anyways guys like i said uh, bear with me and we'll get this uh corrected i'm actually gonna shut my phone off completely and uh well, my wi-fi is turned off so hopefully we can get kelly back on in a couple of minutes and stuff like that. Uh, So uh, just bear with me. Anyways, I'm just gonna uh, send her a message on. Hopefully, like I said, guys, I apologize. Uh, things happen. So, uh, yeah, technical things with uh, freezing up and stuff like that. So I made sure my cell phone, the Wi-Fi was turned off, and I shut it off completely. So anyways, guys, just bear with me, and I think we're going to have Kelly back. Uh, you're back.
0: Hi, I'm back.
1: That time <laughs> so, it took
0: longer than it did the second
1: time. Yeah, so I even shut my <laughs> cell phone off completely. I can I can check it after. So, um, yeah. And I, I make sure with my Wi Fi I have one of those pods that gives my a uh, stronger Wi Fi signal too.
0: Oh nice. Yeah. I yeah. don't I don't know. I mean it could be on my end too. I we have so many devices on the Wi-Fi and I know we have
1: the
0: the thing upstairs that makes it stronger. So hopefully hopefully it's all fixed for now. But yeah, our yeah. our router's upstairs and I'm downstairs. So that could be part yeah. of the problem.
1: Yeah, so, but I was going to say, anyways, uh, yeah, you're just uh, telling us in between uh, how you went, where you went to school and how you got started and all that, so.
0: Yeah, so my first job was a producer job in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania at the NBC station, and I was there for a little less than a year. I had a weird shift, so it wasn't really working for me. I worked weekend overnights, so I, I had to get there at like three in the morning and roll on the CNN feed that they were sending down, so I had to go hit record on a tape deck And then three days a week, I worked like a nine to five shift. So it was just super weird. So I ended up leaving for a job in Cincinnati and I was the weekend producer at the Fox station there. And then after like two and a half years, I decided I really wanted to be a reporter and an anchor. So I left for a job in Montana and I moved from Cincinnati, Ohio to Great Falls, Montana. And I was there for about two and a half years, where I did like every job in the newsroom except for weather and sports, everything. You were pretty much doing everything yourself, um, especially if you worked a night shift like I did. Um, I would listen to the scanner, and if I heard that there was a car crash somewhere, I'd take the camera, I'd go out and shoot it. I wrote the whole newscast myself, produced it myself, ran my own prompter. and did stories and anchored and edited the video. And at that point, everything was still shot on tape and they were DVC pro tapes, so they were tinier, but then you put it into the computer and you were able to edit it in the computer. Um, So that just shows you how like technology was changing. But I was there for two and a half years. And then I went to Little Rock, Arkansas after that for a weekend anchor job. And I was there for almost six years before coming here to Buffalo.
1: I was gonna say, yeah. Uh, everybody has told me, talked about how they got started. Basically, yeah. everybody's story is similar. Yep. Everybody's just they—they they really learned. They wanted to do it when they were younger, and they also also learned how uh, to do various jobs. The more you can multitask, yeah, the more the more valuable you become.
0: Absolutely, and that's what I tell anybody um, who I mentor, because a lot of times. I will have conversations with people who are in college who want to do this. And I just tell them, learn how to do everything that you can. And you might not end up doing that for your job in the end, but at least you can appreciate how to do that job and you have those skills. And I also tell people that the most important thing is that you know how to write and that you're a good writer. If you're a good writer, you can do anything in this field.
1: I even have my own sports blog on Facebook, too. It's like a website, but it's kind of a Facebook website. But I uh, blog on there quite a bit, too, as well.
0: Nice. Yeah, no, that's that's smart. smart. Because being a fast writer really helps me as a reporter, especially during breaking news. Because you've got to be able to turn stuff fast, but you've got to be able to go on the air and give people the right information and do it in a cool, calm, and collected way. And because I'm a fast writer, I'm a better reporter i
1: think i just wish they had all this technology back in the 70s and 80s because i was passionate about talking sports back then but i didn't have the opportunity like i do now with rogers tv uh, having volunteers in their in their tv productions and then having all this uh equipment i have now at home to do my own podcast but everybody that's been talking to me says it doesn't matter about your age just keep doing what you're doing
0: As long as you're passionate about it, you can do it. And you're right. In you know, in the eighties when I was growing up, VCRs cost a lot of money. Like a thousand bucks. Yes. So people didn't have people did not have VCRs. Like we I think I was one of the last people in my class in elementary school to to get one. And sometimes you had to rent one from the video store. So yeah, technology has gotten a lot more accessible for people, which is great, because I feel like it's giving more people opportunities. And if we didn't have that club at my high school, I don't think I would have gone into this for a career. I mean, that really is what jumpstarted my passion for doing this. And then, you know, being able to do it in college and getting a job out of college that, you know, if I didn't have those opportunities, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Yeah.
1: Oh, by the way, I didn't have my first VCR until I was uh, 18 years old, 1990. And it was uh,
0: $400. Yeah, no, I think that my parents bought one when I was in fifth grade. And that was probably, I would say like, I think probably fifth or sixth grade. So it would have been about 1990. And that's, you know, when they were able to afford to get one. (laughs)
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. And and now they're obsolete. It's just it's right. amazing how <laughs> it's amazing how fast technology has changed. I didn't even honestly, I tell all my guests this. I didn't even know what Wi-Fi was even 10 years ago.
0: Right. And, and at my first station, we didn't have computers that were connected to the internet. We had like one computer in the whole newsroom that was connected to the internet and we didn't use the internet as a way to get news out to people or as a way to collect information for people. It just, it wasn't a thing. I don't even know if the station had a website at that point. Um, The station probably had just stopped using typewriters not too long ago. I know my station in Montana used typewriters until like 1996 when they finally got computers. And my first paid job was in 2001. And most of the computers in that newsroom were what we call dummy terminals and all they did was connect to the program that we used to do the newscast and type everything out. Like I I said, there were not that many computers connected to the internet and we still had a dot matrix printer.
1: Wow. And I was going to say, and I've got a guest coming on next week from San Diego and it's like, it's just amazing. I can talk to people across the world in my uh, basement of my house on my podcast. It's just amazing. like the technology nowadays. Oh, I don't know if you froze up or not, Kelly. I think Kelly might have froze up again. I was going to ask Kelly about her uh, uh, kitty cat that's uh, sitting with her. So, guys, just bear with me. Uh, Kelly froze up, so we'll hopefully have Kelly back on in a couple of minutes. Uh, Like I said, it's just one of those glitches that happens to everybody. I'm learning this, too. It happens. Uh, So just bear with me, and hopefully we'll – She's going to try to come back on again, so just bear with me, guys. And hopefully I'll get Kelly to come back on. And uh, like I said, guys, technical things do happen uh, in television and radio and even podcasts. So um, Kelly's a really good guest and uh, I just hopefully we can get her connected back on here again. Uh, I'll just try. We'll just try it again. Just bear with me, guys, uh, as we're waiting for Kelly and stuff like that. Since we're waiting for Kelly right now, I'm just going to show a little video clip. Okay, guys. Uh, I'm just going to show a video clip, and uh, well, it's about what they did with the Buffalo uh, Bisons baseball stadium. Just bear with me, and we're just going to show a little clip while we're waiting for Kelly.
2: Very nice. I mean, we're so kind of spoiled here in Buffalo. This really is one of the great minor league ballparks in America, and they've done what is can only be described as a major league renovation here. That's really going to be the lasting impact oh, of this team coming here to Buffalo. We're going to be okay. seeing. The, I can uh, hear you, Santa Kelly. Florida stadium for a long time. We'll I was just showing a video clip. here to get ready for Oh, awesome. Indoors,
0: yeah, I hear Michael. I see it. Everything the
1: works. Jays, a OK, house, cool. Weight, Thanks. Rooms, a lounge, it's training, only a minute clip.
0: Rooms.
2: These are all now really up to MLB standards, and they'll be sticking around long after the season. There are brand-new climate-controlled batting cages that are pretty sweet. Also, the bullpens got moved right behind right field. The old bullpens were actually in the field of play. speaking of that there is beautiful new sod in the outfield a new warning track new foul poles and finally new led lighting plus a couple of new light poles to fill in some of the gaps this construction is much more substantial than a lot of the temporary work that happened for last season
0: absolutely yeah it's it's been a whirlwind so been down here for quite a while construction's been going on for a few months so it definitely was better to have more than three weeks like we had last time but it it has been down to the wire. So we're excited for the end result that we've gotten to, um, but still kind of putting on the final touches today in order to be ready to open those gates to our fans.
2: Yeah, they really have been working up until the last minute to get all this stuff done. And as we're just a couple of hours from first pitch now.
1: Anyways, uh, the clip was courtesy of WGR Channel Two. I just wanted—I always have a video clip I, I usually bring on with a guest, and I just figured since you were trying to get back on, we just uh, yeah. put on a little clip. So I'm learning <laughs> this uh, Streamyard is great because I can uh, put video clips and share stuff of my guests or promote them on here as well.
0: Yeah, no, your whole setup's really impressive. I'm really impressed with how easily you can play video and have the double boxes up. I mean, if you think about it, this technology was around, you know, in the 90s when I was in high school using it, but you had to have a special computer program. And, you know, the graphics program we had wasn't great. And now, everything like you're doing looks like broadcast quality.
1: I really appreciate it. And then, and like I said, uh, my friend in Philadelphia, he's a Jamie, he's a Eagles fan. He's a huge Eagles fan, even more than me. And he got me on the StreamYard. He said, Chris, you want to do professional podcasts, go with StreamYard. And he's helped me out and some of my other friends. And I'm still learning every day and every night, but it just, this is, this technology is really great. I don't mean to go on about it, but it's it's just awesome. This stuff.
0: Yeah, it is. No, it looks good.
1: Yeah, and that clip was courtesy of WGR Channel 2. It's just about uh, what they did to get the sailing field uh, more up to Major League Baseball standards. And from what I've seen, they did a great job.
0: Yeah, it's really exciting to have that facility here. And, you know, it was built in the 80s as a possible stadium for an expansion team. It didn't happen But we've been super blessed to have that for the Bison so far. And now that the Blue Jays are here, it's really exciting.
1: Yeah. 1988, I believe it opened yep. up and I'm pilot trying to pilot field. Yep. Yep. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Pile yeah. field. It's changed names a few times too.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it just changed yes. recently before it was Coca-Cola field.
1: Yeah. And I like the fact that it's only five minutes from the peace bridge. Like as soon as you get across yes. the bridge, you get <laughs> off at exit six and then there's parking right there. It's easy to get into and easy to get out of.
0: Yeah, it is. I, there's plenty of parking around there. And, um, yeah super easy to get to from my house all I have to do is get on the train there's a stop right near where I live so we just walk to the metro rail station get on and then it takes us right to the ballpark yeah
1: now I was gonna show a clip of you tonight I decided to go with the ballpark one because the other one was kind of about the U.S. Canada border crossing being open and I just didn't want to get into too much political stuff on here yeah I I tried to kind of keep it like to (laughs) keep it light keep it light and stuff like that because mm-hmm. I find, uh, yeah, I try to keep politics off my social media as much as I can.
0: Yeah, no, that's smart. I mean, if you want to talk about one thing that's changed drastically from when I started in this business to now, it's social media. That is the biggest change besides technology getting better. It didn't exist when I first started. If somebody was upset at a story that you did, they wrote you a letter and they mailed it to yep. you. And now they can reach you in so many different ways. And we've got to do social media and use social media for our yep. job. But it also means that you have to deal with the trolls and everybody deals with them differently.
1: Definitely. Yes, you get that. So yeah. I just try to avoid uh, stuff like me that. Too. Definitely. <laughs> so I was going to say, you already answered my next two questions. And that's the one thing I've been learning on too. Uh, Jerry Howorth, who did the Jays games for 36 years, gave me some good advice the other night. He goes, listening skills. Because yep. sometimes... You uh, you have all your questions prepared, written down, or typed up like I do here, and sometimes the answers are already given before you get to those questions, so he uh, gave me some good advice about listening skills are very important, too.
0: Exactly. I listened to that podcast, and as soon as he said that, it was like, bingo, that is right. You know, most of the information you'll get will be from just listening, and Usually when I go into an interview, I don't write my questions down ahead of time. If there's something that one of my managers wants to make sure I ask, I will write it down so that I don't forget. But I usually don't write up questions ahead of time. I research and sometimes I'll print stuff out and bring it with me. But usually I just make up questions on the fly. And also usually the most important question that I ask is at the end when I ask the photographer I'm working with if they have any questions for the person And then I also always ask if the person has anything else they want to add that I didn't ask them that they think viewers would want to know about. So those two questions are probably almost always the most important questions I ask uh, at the end of every interview.
1: I was going to say, I'm guilty. I still kind of prep my shows ahead of time and and write my questions down. But with StreamYard, I can type them up and put them on my graphics. Because when I first started doing this, I was looking down at a piece of paper. And even Eric Smith of the Raptors radio play-by-play guy, he's like, Chris, when you do an interview, you got to make sure you're looking at that guest. Mm -hmm. So StreamYard, in a way, is great because my questions I already have typed up. And that way, I can focus on you and listening to your answers and responses more than looking at a piece of paper.
0: Right. And when you're interviewing somebody, picking up on body language is key and making eye contact with them is key because then you can kind of get their vibe and figure out maybe they have something else they want to talk to you about. And they just haven't said that yet. You know, so a lot of it is picking up on those nonverbal cues and also having enough questions in your head so that you can ask a question while you're trying to think of your next question and you've also got to listen to their answer at the same time, because they might yes. drop that like golden nugget of information yep. that could become the focus of your story.
1: Yes. I was going to say, and Jerry could probably teach broadcasting because yeah. he, he's just, he's such a nice guy and uh, I was so lucky to get him to come on my show. And it's like, um, yeah, like I said, I'm still got a lot of to learn and stuff like that, but I was going to say my next question for you, Kelly is, um, How did you come about working as an anchor for WGR Channel 2 in Buffalo, and how much of an adjustment was it coming from a place like Little Rock, Arkansas, to Western New York?
0: Yeah, so I have lived in a lot of different parts of the country, and I think that that was something that just happened based on where I ended up working. But it's also something that I really appreciate appreciate about my career path. Um, I didn't just stay in one place. I got to experience different regions, different cultures, different, you know, every place that I've called home has had unique things about it that you wouldn't find anywhere else, things I was surprised to see. So um, coming here to Western New York was like coming home because I grew up in the Northeast. I knew I always wanted to come back here and be somewhere where I lived close enough to my family where I could just drive. And I live six hours away from my family now, so I can drive that easily in one day. When I lived in Montana, I had to take two or three different flights to get home. And it was also super expensive. It was more than my rent check to be able to fly home. So I only flew home a couple times. I mean, you just, you couldn't afford to do that, especially making what you make in a small market. Um, So I think making the adjustment from Little Rock to Buffalo was not difficult. Um, Little Rock had issues with humidity, which I did not like. It's super humid there. And um, you would do live shots outside and you would just sweat through your clothes and your makeup would start streaming into your face. I covered a lot of tornadoes and those were difficult because, I mean, you've seen the video on TV. They're horrible to cover. Um, so I feel like coming here was an easy adjustment for me. Um, I knew that I wanted a Monday through Friday shift if possible because I had worked weekends so long. So coming here allowed me to work Monday through Friday, which was also awesome, Um, just to have some sort of work-life balance because that's super hard when you're in this field. You work weird hours, you deal with a lot of stress, you see a lot of trauma and people are finally, you know, after and during the pandemic, because we're still in it. So during the pandemic, people are talking about, finally, all the trauma that we see and how that impacts your mental health. Um, there are a lot of things with my family that I missed over the years because of my career because, you know, I wasn't allowed to take days off during certain months. So I missed like college and high school graduations, w- uh, weddings of friends, stuff like that. Um, but now coming here working a Monday through Friday schedule and now I'm working days, I feel like I have much better work-life balance and that's become more important to me as I've gotten older and I saw the value in it before. But I always was worried about saying no when they ask you to work an extra shift or something. And I, I, you know, I work extra shifts now and I, I, I'm not someone who always says no, but I think that there is a lot of value in making sure you have a life outside of your job.
1: Basically a work balance between your work and your personal life. Yes. Yes. Definitely know about that. Super important. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I feel like I
0: I have that here and I have that now. So that is something that's really good.
1: And if I'm lucky enough to get into radio, I'm going to try to do the same thing too. Mm -hmm. leave work at work and try to try to balance your outside life from your work life.
0: Yeah. And it's hard and it's hard, especially when you're wired like I am, like I always want to know what's going on. I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. You kind of are on call 24 seven, because if something happens where they need me to go in, I'll get a phone call and I might have to go in. And you know that, but you also need to be able to take some time away and enjoy your life.
1: Okay. My next question for (laughs) you is, um, did anyone take you under their wing, uh, mentor you uh, when you first arrived at WGR channel Two?
0: Yeah, I would say Claudine has been awesome. Um, she's somebody I really look up to. She has grown up here, she's been at Channel Two, and she's an awesome journalist. So, she is somebody who is not only my colleague, she's my friend. And if I ever have issues or things I want to talk about with her, I know I can call her anytime to chat or text her anytime. Or if there's something I see that is, I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know what I should do with this situation, she's been fantastic. So, I would say that. She is my main mentor at Channel 2, and the late Scott Brown was fantastic as well. He was my cubicle buddy, and I just really admire him for the work he does. When I first came here for my interview, our former news director, Woody, sent me a bunch of links to a bunch of stories, and he sent me stories that Scott Brown did and stories that Dave McKinley did. And I was just so impressed that this was a station that allowed people to do stories that were longer than a minute and 20 seconds, because I came from a station where you had to get a manager's approval if you wanted to do a story longer than a minute and 20 seconds, and they were allowed to have time to breathe in their stories. And I was really impressed by that and their storytelling skills and their skills as journalists. So those are some of the people that I I look up to here at channel two.
1: I was going to say, I have so much respect for producers because I've only yeah. done camera operating work for maybe a year uh, for hockey games and just seeing the producer, he is going to make sure he has to know all aspects of the job, know everything about the cameras, everything about audio graphics. And I'm I'm like, wow, I'm just that, that job is really, man, you're like the quarterback.
0: Yeah, you are. And I only did that job for what, about three and a half years. And it was tough because you are dealing with and managing the on-air people at the station. So you are having to tell people that you would like them to do things that they might not want to do. And then you're also managing your managers who are calling you up and in your ear all the time telling you to do certain things. And, oh, by the way, You're producing a newscast and writing a whole bunch of stories at the same time. So, yeah, it's one of that. And the assignment editor jobs, I think, are two of the most difficult, not necessarily difficult, but most like underrated and underappreciated jobs in the newsroom. This is Elsa, by the way. She's so I was going to ask you about that.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah. I have a I have a cat too named Latte, who was adopted a, uh, about a year Aww. and a half ago from the Humane Society. So I was reading up that what you do, and that's great. Adopt, but don't shop. And, yeah. And again, for Humane Societies or animal shelters, best way to go for pets. Yep. Buf-
0: um, Elsa is from the city of Buffalo Animal Shelter.
1: Mm. Does she have a favorite? Shutting- yes. Does she have a favorite <laughs> treat? Does she have a favorite treat?
0: So Elsa likes dry food for some reason. Like usually cats really like wet food, but Elsa is a dry food fan. So she likes dry food and she likes um, dry treats. Every once in a while, she'll taste some of the wet food that the other cats are eating. But she's really a dry food fan. And um, what else do you like, Elsa? She likes catnip. She likes catnip. And um, she like, they all like chasing their springs. We have four cats.
1: Wow. Um well, la- la- Latte Latte likes dry food and wet food, but she likes these uh treats called Temptations. I don't know if you have oh, them in the states. She's she's hooked on them. And as soon as I open the door where they are kept, she comes right up to me and brushes up against me and she's <laughs> she knows she knows. Yeah, she loves no, those.
0: They have greenies and they have tried breaking into the container. So we have to be careful. We actually had other treats for them. They broke into the container the other day and we had to put them in a different one that they hopefully yeah. can't open up.
1: Yes. They're like your baby. They're like baby. I've always had dogs and cats and they are pets are like family to me.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. These guys absolutely are. They absolutely are.
1: And I think that's great that you yeah. adopt from uh, animal shelters. That's, that's really great.
0: Yeah, we have, um, so we have Elsa. We got her from the Buffalo animal shelter. Blanche just showed up at our old apartment almost four years ago. She was a tiny four week old kitten. Like she probably should not have been away from her mom yet, but she had no other, there were no other cats around. Uh, We think she came from a feral cat house that was kind of near the casino because our old apartment was by the casino in downtown Buffalo. And then our two other cats came from a rescue group and we got them in november they were a bonded pair so we we were only going to get one kitten and then there was a bonded pair so we got abby a gabby and sage
1: oh and speaking of sage i have a niece named sage
0: (laughs) oh nice (laughs) yes good name good name name. yes and they all know their names so they all know if it's you know time for them to eat or if they're in trouble
1: yeah some of them yeah, latte's on a schedule. She has to be fed <laughs> yep. at a certain time.
0: That's Definitely. what we do too. Cause if we left the food out, they would just gobble yeah. it all up at once.
1: Definitely. Okay. Um, my next question I wanted to ask you, Kelly, is what's it like overall being in Buffalo in the western New York area? And so far your experience with WGR Channel 2.
0: It's it's been fantastic. Um, there's always something to do and you are never bored. Like People always complain, at least like where I grew up, people were like, oh, it's so boring here. And I think people always say that when they're younger and they don't appreciate things. And I feel like I'm never bored here. I love being able to walk to stuff. I always wanted to live somewhere where I could walk to a restaurant, where I could walk to a place to see live music. And I can do that here. Um, The walkable neighborhoods are awesome. I live kind of Elmwood Village adjacent. So there is always something going on. There is never a moment where I'm like, oh, I wish, you know, we had something to do. And especially with the pandemic getting better here, things are starting to happen once again. Um, Throughout the pandemic, we were getting takeout every Saturday night. But now we can actually go out and do things which is great so you know we haven't seen live music yet um, again but we're planning on going to see a show at cmac at the end of august Um, so yeah and especially like the sports scene so there's tons to do no one can ever say they're bored here
1: i was gonna say are the masks still mandatory or are that just optional now
0: So here's the deal with the mask situation. A couple weeks ago, they said that they would, in New York State, that New York State was following the CDC guidelines. And that happened, I don't know, I feel like it was a little bit after the CDC changed the rules. Like New York hadn't changed the rules. And then the governor said the rules were changing. So you follow CDC guidelines, but every store or restaurant has its own rules and can do it just like, you know, you have to wear shoes and a shirt to go into a store. They can tell you that you have to wear a mask or they can say that they're following CDC guidelines. And if you're fully vaccinated, like I am, you don't have to wear a mask. Um, we still haven't been going a ton of places, but we do Go grocery shopping every Friday night, and at our Wegmans, everybody's still wearing masks. All the employees are wearing masks, and most of the customers are. So we've been wearing masks at Wegmans, um, just because most people have been. At work, they just changed the rules. So I know that a lot of people, if you, you know, you can get Channel Two where you are. A lot of mm-hmm. us were wearing were wearing masks when we were out in the fields, until. Uh, maybe like a month ago, or when they lifted the rules, like I was just because where we usually shoot our video, there are all people walking around and stuff. And I wasn't vaccinated yet. But now, most people are not wearing masks on the air. And in the studio, we're still sitting far apart. But as more people get fully vaccinated, I think you'll see that change. Um, Just within the past week or so, we no longer have to wear our masks at our desks at work. And so I was used to wearing my mask more than eight hours a day because I, I had to put it on when I got out of my car in the parking lot and keep it on unless I was eating or drinking at my desk. So now we're following the CDC guidelines. If you're fully vaccinated, you do not have to wear your mask in the office. Um, but you can choose to wear it if you feel safer wearing it. So it's now like more of a personal choice than a rule that we had at our workplace. And I think every workplace is just having to navigate the situation and figure out how they want to handle the mask situation.
1: Yeah, I think I'll probably be wearing masks until at least September anyways, until I'm fully yep. vaccinated. And I'm okay yeah. with that because having this mask on the last i don't know 15 months now i i haven't had any colds and it's yep. helped with my allergies i have uh hay fever pollen and all that and i, I find the mess. do you oh you know what yeah. it's like the yep. allergy stuff mm-hmm. and i fi- even though i just year, had
0: the cat in my face but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah because last year was the first time in my life where my allergies didn't bother me in may and august because those are the worst months for my allergies with uh the hay fever and the pollen in the yep. air
0: yeah, no, I believe it and I feel like the mask made it so I didn't get cold. Like usually I'll get a cold or two every year. That didn't happen. So like I could totally see myself continuing to wear a mask on a plane for instance even after it's no longer required because yeah. I there are, you know, other people were doing that already so I don't see why that would be a bad thing. And again, it should, you know, that's your your choice if you want to do that or whatever. Even though now it is still required by the cdc like when we got in the metro rail the other day we had to wear a mask because we were using public transit
1: so uh, i was gonna say my next question for you is uh you have a favorite story and interview you've done so far and some of your favorite personalities you've worked with so far in your career i guess with wgr i guess because
0: yeah um i would say My most memorable story so far has been covering the unemployment issue since last March. That, I think, has really shown me how we can impact people's lives. There have been a lot of people, like thousands of people who have contacted me because they've had issues with their unemployment checks. So just being able to read their stories through their emails, hear their stories through their phone calls and voicemails they've left me. That has been really touching. And you know, even if I've been able to help one person get their unemployment benefits, that tells me that I'm in the right field and I'm doing the right thing. So I think that so far that has been the most memorable, most meaningful story that has touched a lot of people's lives. Um, as far as interviews, I have interviewed some celebrities but not that many of them like are memorable or stick out to me. Because to me, I'm just like, meh, whatever. I did um, get to interview Mike from Dirty Jobs once when I was in Little Rock. That was fun because I watched that show. So I was kind of starstruck there. And um, yeah, I would just say getting to learn something new every day because I go to work every day and I don't know what story I'm going to do until I, I pitch my stories in the morning meeting. And that's all being done by Zoom right now. And I might get assigned a story I pitch and I might get assigned to something totally different. So I like the excitement of not knowing what I'm going to be doing and then being able to learn about a bunch of different topics. So I might do a story on like the other day, the guy who was buying the ads to reopen the border. I didn't know anything about this guy. So I had to quickly like see what I could find out about him on the internet and then meet him, interview him, and somehow turn it into a story that's two minutes or less. So I really like getting to learn a lot about a different topic. So like I said, I'm not an expert in any one field, but I've probably covered almost every different type of story I could possibly cover in the years that I've been doing this.
1: And one of the, one of the things is you have to be wanting to learn and uh, yeah. be curious about stuff too. ask mm-hmm. questions.
0: Yeah, you do. Cause if you're not asking questions and if you're doing this just because you want to be on TV, you are in this business for the wrong reasons. reason.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um. Next question I was going to ask you, I only got a couple more for you, Kelly. Uh, the next okay. one is. What is the hardest aspect of the industry and what do you love about it the most?
0: I would say the hardest aspect right now is the social media aspect and figuring out how you're going to respond to trolls or people who are critical because you're putting yourself out there on several different platforms. And it's so easy for people to connect with you right now, which is awesome because that means that people can... Come to me with issues they're having. They can ask me if I can look into something for them. But but then it's a double-edged sword because then it means that people can be mean to you. So you have to have a thick skin. But it means that people can be mean to you easily because they don't have to write out a letter and put a stamp on it and mail it. Um, I would say then the best part about this field right now, all the people I get to meet, all the different topics, like I said, that I get to learn about, and the excitement that my day is different every day. Um, I know that I'm going to be anchoring midday, and I know that I'm going to be doing a bunch of different stories, but you, you get to do something different every day, and you're probably one of the first people in the world to find out about it if it's local news that's happening in your backyard, and you're covering it, and to me, that's exciting, and then you get to tell people about it, and a lot of times, it's information that the community needs because it's a safety issue or it's sharing a positive story, like the City Shapers pieces I do. I've been able to tell the stories of more than 100 people so far, and it's on pause because of COVID, um, but it's coming back. But I would say that those pieces are also some of the most meaningful I've done because I have
1: I think uh, you froze up Kelly guys just bear with me I think Kelly uh like, f- froze up again so sorry Kelly I'm just having uh, trouble hearing you I think you froze up again so just bear with us guys uh just we're getting to the uh end of the uh podcast just a few more minutes with Kelly and uh hopefully we can just uh, get this uh freezing, um, technical difficulty, uh, resolved. So just bear with us while waiting for Kelly. Uh, Kelly also produces, uh, like she said before COVID, uh, a segment called city shapers, a feature that you can see, uh, when it's back on WGR channel two in Buffalo, every Monday night at five thirty on channel two in Buffalo. So um, she does quite a lot of work for uh, WGR as well. So anyways, like I said, guys, just bear with us. And while we're waiting for Kelly, uh, you can oh, there we follow.
0: Go.
1: You're back. You're back. I'm back. So, I'm Yes. So uh, I was just telling my audience about your uh, uh, your show that you produce and hopefully it'll be back yeah. on the air soon. City sh- uh, Shapers, right?
0: Yes. City Shapers. Yep. So it was airing once a week on Mondays at 530. Um, hopefully it can come back soon. We just paused it because for a really long time we were not doing in-person interviews and mm-hmm. it's kind of tough to do those stories without meeting the person and being able to shoot video of them doing their thing and you know our attention has been focused on the pandemic but like i was saying those stories are some of the best stories i've been able to tell because it's shining a spotlight on people who are doing awesome things in the community who aren't out there looking for the applause they've all been nominated by their friends or their colleagues who are saying like you really need to you need to tell people about this person because they're doing something good
1: I was gonna say your coworker colleague Pete Gallivan, uh does one too. I think stories of Western New York.
0: Yes, the unknown stories of Western New York. He actually had a baseball one air today that should be posted online that everybody should check out.
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to check that out later yeah. on your on your website because I'm a huge baseball fan. So
0: yeah, no, but, uh, it was really cool. It was really cool because he went back like 100 years to talk about. The teams that were playing in Buffalo so it was it was neat and he had pictures and everything talked about a stadium that was just ripped down that was able to seat 20,000 people I had no idea that that even existed until I saw Pete's story
1: well and and it was also 106 years since Buffalo's had a baseball team a major league baseball team in Buffalo where fans could see it Mm -hmm. because last year nobody none of the fans could be at the games
0: No, not unless you were up in the tower and you had like an apartment. I don't think those apartments were even open then. But, yeah, you could not see the games. And they weren't on TV here. So I don't think you could watch them at all unless you saw highlights later.
1: The the Jays should really strike a deal with MSG. I think that's your sports station uh, that does the Bills and the Sabres. They really should strike a deal with them. So people in the Buffalo area could actually see some of the Blue Jay games if they can't go down to the stadium.
0: Right, because tickets are pretty hard to get, and if you're buying them mm-hmm. in the secondary market, they're especially the Yankees games. Those are probably like impossible to get right now, unless you're willing to pay way too much money. I mean, some people are, but eh, I haven't looked yes. at prices, but I think they're like a thousand dollars or something.
1: Yeah, that's a little too much for the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I find a hundred dollars is about my limit.
0: Right. Right. And yeah. that's what they were really going for. If you yeah. could get them when they yeah. first went on sale. So,
1: okay, Kelly, I just got a couple more questions, sure. two more questions. Um, I always ask my uh, guests different questions too. I try to change them up. I was going to say, do you have a favorite music that you listen to band artist, and any hobbies or uh, any restaurants that you really like in the Buffalo area?
0: So music, I like 90s grunge, 90s alternative rock, because that that's what was popular when I was in high school. So really any 90s music I like, but I like pretty much anything anybody puts on. I mean, I'm not going to tell you I'll get out of here with that. Um, As far as hobbies and restaurants, I would say that food is one of my hobbies. I like to Cook and learn to cook different things. So I listen to a lot of food podcasts and I always like to check out the new restaurants that open here in Buffalo. Um, there's a restaurant here that we live really close to Hutch's, which is a really good restaurant. So anytime we get the opportunity to go there, it's really special and it's really nice. And all of the food is really good. That's a local restaurant that's been a, around for a while. And um, there are a bunch of new restaurants that have popped up. There's one on Hurdle called The Little Club, and it's a wine bar, but they focus on small plates. So that restaurant is one that we like going to. Um, but really, you could eat at a different restaurant every week in Buffalo and not repeat and not have a bad meal. Everything is so good.
1: Yeah. When you go to the States, especially the Buffalo area, you need to go to the restaurants hungry because you guys, uh, you guys give proportion sizes a little bit bigger than we do here in Ontario. And it's like, I don't even know how you guys can eat dessert in the States because you guys, Oh, it's just, Oh my God, you guys get so much choice down there.
0: Yeah, no. And that's why if we, if we can walk to, to where our restaurant is, like if it's within two, two and a half miles, we will walk because we know that we want to have dessert and we're going to need to burn off the calories.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, uh, that's one of my sweet things. Uh, cheesecake. Uh, when I went to New York city a couple years ago, this place called juniors in New York city. And I guess it's out of Brooklyn is oh my God. It's amazing. The, the cheesecake. Oh, wow. It's like, and one slice is like four slices here. So if you ever get to go to New York, try juniors out of New York's New York City or Brooklyn. Yep. Oh, okay, Are you, you're still there. <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure if you froze up or not. So. I
0: am here. I am here. The audio went okay. out a little bit, but it seems like it's back. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, No problem. And uh, just two other little things. Uh, I was just going to ask. I do this with all my guests anyways. Uh, Do you have any good advice for anyone looking to pursue, not just myself, but to looking to pursue a career in media, either in TV or radio?
0: So be willing to learn every job. Um, Every job is important. And the more skills you have, the more marketable you will be. And when you get your first job, you will probably have to do a little bit of everything, especially if you are going for an on-air position. You will be probably in a small market where you're going to have to do everything from shoot your own video, to run your own teleprompter, to write your own stories like what I did in Montana. So just be willing to try everything and also know that you are gonna have to deal with office politics. And I think that's something they don't teach you about really in college. And that is good advice for any industry that you go into. And that is something that you kinda have to also learn on the fly. You're gonna be dealing with a bunch of different personalities. And especially if you're going into TV or radio, they're gonna be difficult personalities. They're gonna be awesome people. Some of my best friends are people I've met along the way at different TV stations. But just know that you have to focus On making sure you are in a good place and you're doing what's right for you, and um, just know you also should find somebody you can rely on as a mentor or like a work buddy who you can talk to. Count those issues because they're probably oh no, back.
1: Okay, I think you froze up. But a lot of your answers are similar to I some did, of my I other guest answers. Yes, yeah. uh, definitely. And like I said, I'm trying to do this at 49. So I know it's not going to be easy. But this is something I really want to pursue. And hopefully I get the opportunity one day.
0: Absolutely. It sounds like you're on the right track. You're doing all the right things.
1: Thank you. And I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Before I let you go, uh, can you just tell my audience where people can find you on WGR and on social media, if they want to follow you or contact you?
0: Absolutely. So you can find me at 11 a.m. anchoring midday, Monday through Friday on channel two. And you can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Kelly Dudzik WGRZ. And you can also find me on Facebook. Same thing. Kelly Dudzik WGRZ. Type that in. You'll be able to find my page.
1: Okay, Uh, I was gonna say, Kelly, I should change the name of my show. It's Thirty Minutes Live with CDP, but I've been lucky. (laughs) A lot of my guests want to talk for. I'm lucky enough to talk for uh, sixty minutes, so maybe I eventually I have to look into changing the name to Sixty Minutes Live with CDP or just Live with CDP.
0: And that's the beauty of doing what you do. You don't have to time yourself to thirty minutes. Nothing's going to cut you off. Like what would happen if you were and you can take as much
1: as Oops, I think we lost Kelly again there. Uh, Sorry, Kelly, we just lost you there again. You froze up. Um, Like I said, hopefully we can just uh, finish this up uh, in just a minute, guys. I really appreciate everybody watching tonight. Uh, Hopefully Kelly's got another 30 seconds uh, uh, before I let her go. So uh, like I said, guys, it's uh, part of the process part of the process, uh, with technical glitches and stuff like that. But I think overall, I think it went very well tonight. Uh, like I said, sometimes things happens, but, uh, uh again, like I said, I really appreciate you, uh, Kelly coming on, uh, coming on tonight and talking to, to us, my audience about, uh, your career in uh, television and now with WGR, uh, channel two as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can get Kelly back for another half a minute, Uh, before i let her go but if not i I just want to say thank you so much uh kelly for giving me the time out of your busy schedule uh to come on 30 minutes live with cdp so um like i said guys i really appreciate uh kelly coming on tonight and uh i was gonna see if kelly might be interested in coming back on again in the future as a guest uh as well so uh anyways uh i'm just gonna read the comments Just before I, um, I'm going to see if Kelly comes back on or not. Uh, If not, I appreciate it. Um, Just read some comments. Angela. Hi, Chris. Hi, Kelly. Angela, thank you for watching. Uh, Thanks for bearing with some of the technical difficulties. And uh, I appreciate it, Angela. Hopefully one day I'll be back in your area. Um, I'm guessing August. Oh, there you are. I was just. I'm back. I just, okay. I. Anyways. Yeah. I was just, just saying we started with freezing and we're going to end with freezing. Yeah. But, but overall, I think we did okay on this podcast.
0: Yeah. No, this was fantastic. Thank you for having me on.
1: Well, thank you for giving this 49. Oh, well, I'm not 49 yet. June 29th. <laughs> But uh, I appreciate giving this uh, older rookie uh, an opportunity to, uh, I don't, uh, Jerry even told me this, don't say the word interview. He said, just, you're talking to somebody to yeah. find out. Yeah. So I kind of.
0: conversation.
1: Yes. And I've yeah. also learned to ab a little more too, because yep. when I first started, I was going by a script and one of my friends even helped me. He said, Chris, scripts are okay, but you just be yourself, always be yes. yourself in here. And you can sometimes make conversation without having to have it scripted.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Just be natural, be yourself, because people can tell if you aren't being yourself and if you're being fake. So yes, that is Definitely. awesome advice. Yeah. Definitely.
1: Um, I was going to say maybe one day I'll be able to have you back on again as a guest in the future.
0: That's great. I would look forward to that. That would be great.
1: And uh, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can send you one of my podcast shirts. I've created my own uh, logo and my own uh, brand now. So I was wondering, maybe I can uh, send you a podcast shirt, maybe.
0: Fantastic. Just know that you might have to change the name and you have to cross out the 30 and put 60.
1: <laughs> true. That's true. So you get, like <laughs> I said, so, but uh, like I said, uh, thank you so much again, Kelly, for coming on and I hope you have a great night and definitely we'll keep in touch on here.
0: Thank you so much. It was great meeting you. Have a great night.
1: And I'm going to be uh, interviewing one of your uh, co-workers tomorrow. I think her Ooh. name's Carrie, Carrie's Belger. Carrie Belger. Yeah. Carrie Belger. Belger. Yeah. 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 Okay. She's
0: another person. I really never see her in person because she works overnight, but yeah, she is so great. She's... You'll have a great conversation with her.
1: Yeah, like I said, I feel like I'm a part of Buffalo because everybody in your industry, like I mentioned before, has been really uh, great with me. So anyways, Kelly, I'm going to let you go, but thank you so much. Have a great night, and we'll keep in touch. Thank
0: you for having me. All right, bye. Bye, Thanks, Kelly.
1: Good night. Anyways, uh, thank you to Kelly Dudzik from uh, WGR Channel 2 in Buffalo for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, guys, for watching live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And I'm going to download the audio later and you guys can, uh, uh listen to it on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, anchor FM, uh, pocket casts, uh, breaker. And uh, a few other, uh, <laughs> I got so many, um, uh, podcast platforms on here. I can't remember them all, but, uh, like I said, guys, I really appreciate Kelly coming on. Uh, and, uh, uh, my next show tomorrow night. I'm doing another one tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be Wednesday, June 2nd at 4 o'clock. Uh, Carrie's Belger. I think I pronounced the right uh, name right. Hopefully, she's a general a general assignment reporter from WGR Channel 2 in Buffalo, New York. She'll be coming on uh, my show tomorrow at 4 o'clock as well. So, and then I have a show on Friday night at 2 o'clock uh, with Mary Margaret Johnson. Uh, sports digital reporter from the the rival station WIVB Channel Four in Buffalo. So um, I'm getting some Buffalo love here this week uh, with Kelly and um, uh, um, <laughs> Kelly, sorry, and uh, and um, Carries and uh, Mary as well. So and I'm also guys working on some more guys from the uh, NHL and the NBA, hopefully, and Major League Baseball coming on as well. So I'm just going to read some comments before I go, guys. But Angela, I already said, Mark, uh, hi, Chris, good guess. Mark, you're one of my first viewers on here. Thank you so much. I'm sorry about your Toronto Maple Leafs, Mark, but I'm going to tell this to everybody that's a Leaf fan. I told you so, guys. The Leafs let you guys down again. 1967. The Leafs now have the longest Stanley Cup drought in NHL history at 54 years. And the Leafs now have lost their last eight series. So anybody that's a Leaf fan, you need to get a new hockey club. So they're done. And let's see. Jim Zettel. I have it on. Great guest. Great show. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. Uh, Yes. um, Kelly is one of my favorite guests Uh, so far. All of them have been good. But, uh, yeah, she's really good. You check her out on WGR Channel 2. And uh, you can check her out on social media as well, on Facebook and Twitter. And check out the WGR uh, Channel 2 website. So, anyways, guys, like I said, I really appreciate you all coming on here. Again, my condolences to the Toronto Maple Leaf fans. If you want to check my Twitter and my Facebook out, you'll see all my little uh, pot shots at the Leaf fans. But, uh, like I said, uh, go Montreal, go. And uh, I'm a fan of Nick Suzuki, and I had the pleasure of meeting Nick when he was with the uh, Gulf Storm and that, so I'm cheering for Nick Suzuki. So, guys, just before I let you go, I'm just going to put on my uh, next banner. Uh, My next show is going to be tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, June 2nd at 4 o'clock. Guest is uh, Carries, Belger. Uh, Hopefully I pronounced the right name, first name right. I'm going to work on that. Her general assignment reporter with WGR Channel 2 in Buffalo, New York. She's going to come on and talk about her career with uh, WGR Channel 2 and what her job as a general assignment reporter uh, details. So anyways, guys, I really appreciate everybody coming on again tonight. Callie Dudzik, thank you so much. And uh, everybody that's watched on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, I really appreciate it. And uh, like I said, uh, hopefully you guys can all tune in tomorrow, Wednesday at 4 o'clock. And then Friday at 2 o'clock, I have Mary Margaret Johnson from WIVB Channel 4 in Buffalo. who's a digital sports reporter coming on. So anyways, guys, uh, the Blue Jays game's on right now with the Marlins. They're playing at Saline Field in Buffalo. And I'll have to try to watch some of that. And uh, we got some more uh, NBA playoffs going on tonight and some NHL as well. So guys, I'm going to call it a show. But again, I want to, I hope everybody enjoyed my interview with Kelly Dudzik from WGR channel Two, and, uh, look forward to tomorrow's show at four o'clock on 30 minutes live with CDP. Have a good night guys. And we'll talk to you guys soon.